in three, two, one. Welcome to the acclaimed podcast, The Deep Dive, featuring your esteemed hosts, Andy Monitor and Drew Dinzik, powered by Spurts. Welcome to The Deep Dive. It is wildcard weekend. The playoffs are here. We have a guest today. Andy, how fired up are you? I'm fired. And, and not only it's, it's wildcard weekend. Wednesday because we're doing this at a weird time, which is kind of nice. Like I'm gonna get, I'm gonna go home and eat eat a meal with my family tonight on a Wednesday instead of just sticking at the studio to do this later. Like everything about this is kind of nice. We we get an awesome guest, a longtime friend of the program, probably from from the outset, early on, back in the days when he had a Kevin James avatar and (laughs) uh, you you were just, I mean, yeah, you were. You were somebody we followed on Twitter very early on, back when your name was just Suma. Well, let's welcome uh, let's welcome our guest appropriately, oldest friend of the Deep Dive Pod. Uh, I think we may have had a couple of guests at the very very onset of the podcast talking college football and tennis and stuff, but our very first NFL guest, without question, and this was an easy call. Um, And uh, I think our most appearances. Record holder, yeah, he, probably. He just keeps. He just keeps. Yeah, he just keeps adding to that record. It's. It's like. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's like Tom Brady and Drew Brees at this point, probably between yeah, Suma and Lockie, maybe. At this, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> all right. Well, uh, without further ado, uh, our sexy German friend, uh, NFL handicapper extraordinaire, and no one better to help us paint the picture of what is going to happen this wild card weekend, and even beyond. Mr. Fabian Suma, welcome to the deep dive. Guys, thanks for having me again this year. Uh, happy about the invitation. Let's talk some football. Yes. I suppose, and you know, we are doing this as a live stream, and sometimes I do forget that, that like a bunch of people will listen to this as a podcast. So, you know, his face is already on the screen before we started. That's why I was like, oh, it's Suma. But yeah, we should introduce him if you haven't listened to any of his stuff. Um, He's a smart guy. Follow him on Twitter oh, yeah. if you're following yep. us. Yep. Yeah, I see that. And yeah, we'll, my, green, yeah. my green screen is all goofed up. Thanks, Drew. <laughs> Let's start by congratulating. Big. Congratulations, Suman, on another su- su- successful season. Um, I think uh, it's, you know, we chat a lot behind the, sc- behind the scenes. Uh, we obviously do the Matchbook Pod together. Uh, and uh, it has been awesome going back and forth with you. Um, I guess, did you have any kind of sort of macro thoughts on how the NFL season went and how the playoffs are shaping up before we get specifically into these wildcard matchups? I mean, it was a good season, football-wise, right? Yeah, of course. Um, I think, actually, I had a lot of... Uh, I had a lot more concerns about COVID going to the season, to be honest. I thought uh, we would have a lot more issues with injury reports, with um, full units uh, getting put on the lists uh, right before games and stuff like that. And overall, I think um, sometimes you uh, get caught off guard uh, with some of those line moves due to COVID. But overall, I think the NFL did a pretty good job at handling everything i think there were some things that they could have done better uh, but overall 
I didn't really expect uh, 256 games uh, until week 17, to be honest. I thought they might uh, add a week 18, something like that, maybe a playoff extension, but overall pretty solid. Um, and what I've also noticed is sometimes I got beaten on some line moves on Sunday morning, which did not really happen a lot over the past couple of years. Maybe some guys just trying to uh, middle and up some totals and, and stuff like that, where they just come back on Sunday morning and suddenly your uh, closing line value evaporates. Um, but overall, um, good season for me. Uh, great football, high-scoring season, and I cannot argue at all. Excellent, man. Excellent. Well, uh, job well done again. Uh, love that uh, you know we've kind of continued to focus on um, you know the market influence and getting the best of the number and uh, early market entry. Everything went very, very swimmingly this season. I have to say. Um, let's let's break down Wild Card Weekend a little bit, and I guess I want to step back and just sort of say, first ever time in our lives, and we've been football fans for a long time. First ever time in our lives that we have six games Wild Card Weekend. It's exciting. Uh, this is um, a nice novel change to the current, you know, to the typical NFL, um, you know, way things are done. I like it. I'm excited about six games, and we got great matchups. Usually, we have four games Wild Card Weekend, and two, maybe three of them are complete throwaways. <laughs> There's always the, yeah, the, always the AFC South game. Where it's like, this South is going to be noon, you know. And we we did a guessing game that, on the yeah. Sunday pod, and we were all uh, for six, I think. The only thing we yeah. nailed is like, oh, they'll they'll let the Saints play on Sunday, so Kamara plays. Like that's the only thing we were able to nail. But usually we do this, and we're we're guessing when these games will be played, and like, oh, the 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 Texans play the Colts, or you know, the Texans play the Bills. Like, well, that that's Sunday. That's or that's Saturday at noon. That's the first one. Mm-hmm. Or is this one? They were kind of all over the place where they put these, but it is exciting. You know, you you get like it's like the Thanksgiving Day schedule two days in a row. On the weekend, you get the you Ooh, know noon, cool. the middle of the afternoon, and an evening one. It's fantastic. I didn't know how I felt about the. It's something we've saw a lot in all the sports, whether it's the the base runner on second base and extra innings, or you know the some of the things they did with the NBA bubble and how they did the playoffs with the play-ins. Like everybody's just kind of grown accustomed to like, yeah, whatever, make changes this year. We're like, it, it's the one year you're allowed to just do whatever you want with sports. So I, yeah. I went with it and. And it's funny, you know, the main concern was, oh, they're going to let some bad team that doesn't deserve to be in the playoffs in, in the seventh seed. And it's funny because it turned out to be in the four seed. What's going to happen anyway? You know, it's going to happen regardless. Yeah. Whereas some decent teams got left out in, in the AFC. And I guess, I mean, who was the first team out in the NFC? I suppose the Cardinals. Cardinals. Which... Mar- again, that's probably a marginal playoff team. They were a fun team at times, but I'm 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 fine with the 14 teams we had. Even you know, you're going to have things happen like what happened in the NFC East, even though that's never quite happened to that degree ever before. So yeah. uh, it should be yeah. There's there's six pretty fun games this weekend. I think yeah. Given that uh, given that uh, Kyler Murray was given that Calamari was injured, uh, I think it's fine that we don't get Arizona in this playoffs. Yeah. But uh, that makes Chicago an interesting sacrificial lamb uh, to New Orleans, or will they be? Um, we'll get to that game yeah, later. No but let's start with the let's let's start at the beginning. Uh, we'll dive right in here. Uh, Indianapolis Colts head to the Buffalo Bills. Um, 
Interestingly, a little bit of Colts money is really starting to manifest in the market. I saw bet online drop to minus six. That was a surprise. I figured this was one way action when they opened at six and a half. It was going to go to seven. We talked about it on the openers stream on Sunday that we thought minus six and a half for the Bills at minus 105 was going to be the best number we were ever going to see. But no, it's went to seven. It's come back down. There's been some market push pull here. There are some influential players who apparently are interested in the Colts. I don't know if I can make a case for the Colts. I think we all three are pretty positive on the Bills. I think we've all made a lot of money on the Bills, though. So maybe we're, you know, we're wearing a little, you know, buffalo colored glasses to a degree. Um, and I guess uh, we'll, we'll give Suma uh, our, yeah, start, our, our start illustrious guest. We'll give our illustrious guest opportunity to frame this one. Do you understand sort of this market push pull? And do you think uh, eventually we see, uh, you know, sort of the inf- you know, the the closing? You know the closing money really come in strong for the Buffalo Bills, who have just been rewarding backers week in, week out. Yeah, so I think um, if we think in in the perspective of a traditional linear power rating, I think it's hard to make a case that the Bills are six points better on a neutral field. So um, I can understand that lots of mathematical models, statistical models, power ratings won't will or will not arrive at six and a half or seven so i can get behind that but the matchup for the builds is so good that i can make a strong case for the builds here but um yeah overall i think that some of those models out there and power ratings will not arrive at seven for for this game so well, just, andy I mean, what, what, uh, what are your power rankings make it true i mean let's just all I mean, I'm I, at, I, yeah, I'm at uh, four. Full agree. Half, yeah. yeah, full agree. Half. I can't. This is not a numbers play. I played. I played the six and a half. I played Buffalo. My numbers disagree. I'm going against model, but again, we're in playoff time, and uh, you know we'll get into some of the matchups. But yeah, a lot of what Suma said there. The matchups are all of them are advantageous. It feels like, and it just it doesn't seem like my numbers need to get to six and a half. I don't know if there's a big difference between six and a half and four here. If Buffalo, if the game script goes the way I hope and think it goes, I'm not sure it's a close game anyway. So I'm fine laying the, I just never dreamt there would be a six out there. I get the resistance at seven. That makes sense. Take some sevens. Fine. But uh, resist, taking the six and a half on the Colts was surprising to me today as well. Yeah. We talk about neutral power rating. We talk about my, my, I agree. My power numbers would have said four and a half, but I put a little bit of home field advantage in here for Buffalo this week. First game in a while that I've really sprinkled some home field advantage special sauce on a side uh, because I think, number one, you have a dome team going outdoors into the bitter cold. Number two, um, Buffalo Bills are going to have fans in the stands. There could be a meaningful impact where the players are excited to play, a little bit more fired up going uh, you know, going up you know, uh, going up against the Colts with some some fan support. Buffalo Bills Mafia is notably um, nuts. Nuts. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> so it should, you know, th- there's there's reason to explain why there would be a little bit of an adjustment here. Um, specifically, when it comes down to the matchup, uh, I personally think the Bills um, are going to be tested offensively. Uh, you have uh, sort of a zone defense, keep the ball in front of you scheme from the Colts. They've been playing up this season in general. Um, they don't let you hit the home run. That's typically how the Bills have been hurting people over the last handful of weeks. So it's going to be kind of in there. You're going to test a young Josh Allen who's made one ever career playoff start. 
which was weird. And you're going to ask him to be patient, to matriculate the ball down the field, not you know, not get chunks. Um, and I think he can do it. I think we've seen pretty clearly he's capable of doing that. He did that at times during the Steelers, you know, against the Steelers, for instance, in prime time. That was a notable example. Um, but I don't know that this is going to be just a, a game where they rip the top off uh, the defense and just score at will. The likelihood that Cole Beasley will be out, I think, impacts them because I think they could have done some damage underneath with Cole Beasley, and now they're going to have to find some other option. The running game, I don't expect to do much, uh, which really led me to bet an under here at 52. I got yesterday. It's at 51 now. There's been a little bit of buyback here on the over, but ultimately, I think this continues to go down. Do you have an opinion on the over-under one way or the other, Suma, or do you think I'm playing with fire, touching it under when the mighty Buffalo Bills who score 40 points a game are involved? No strong opinion on the total. I think it's a fair number, somewhere around 51, 52. I think if it ticks down, I would probably lean towards the over quite a bit, but not a strong opinion either way. Um, I think it's going to be tough for the Colts to hold the Bills below 30 points. And we might get into a game script where the Colts are chasing a lead and we might see some more points in the second half. Um, so that would be my only reservation or counterpoint against that under. But overall, I don't have any real opinion on the total at the current market price. Hmm. I'm kind of there too. I don't know. I see the Colts maybe having some success in the ground. I've actually said I may and may have already found a small prop on uh, – the running back Taylor to Jonathan lead, Taylor. yeah, lead, lead the rushing to be the rushing leader for the weekend, because I think that is how their game is going to go. So, if if they continue to pound it and we end up having a lot of running with not successful endings to some of those Colts drives, this one probably stays under pretty easily. I don't know if the I don't know if the Bills would be keeping their foot on the throat like they did last week. That was. Actually, a little surprising how much they just went for the jugular after in a, in Do you a game. Think and I guess, I guess, I don't know. They brought in the backup too, and it still scored. So maybe it was just Miami. Miami finally just giving up on the dream and saying, "Well, we we need some help." But it I, was. I guess, go ahead. I've conceptually for you, Andy. The Bills put a lot of their best stuff on tape in the last half of the season. Could yeah. that potentially be a disadvantage? Maybe. I mean, they're going up against a good coaching staff. Frank Reich is good. Like, they're yeah. going to have a good game plan. Like, is there a potential that this offense doesn't look as crisp because we have seen so much of what they like to do uh, in, you know, in the last handful of weeks? There, There is, but one of the bigger matchups is, and for me especially, is the, the pass rush versus the Buffalo offensive line. I'm not... Keen on the Indianapolis pass rush. I don't think they'll get much done. They're not some, and it's a weakness for Buffalo. You know, Buffalo, I don't want to say like it's a bad offensive line. It's a quarterback who holds the ball a lot. And, you know, anyone who reads analytics, Twitter, and jokes about quarterback, you know, sacks being a quarterback stat, it kind of is, especially when you have a quarterback who holds the ball this long. But he is mobile. He does seem to have a good pocket presence. He moves around nicely. It's almost like a young Rodgers. Hey, as much as we shit on this kid two years ago, just called him a young Rodgers. But in the in the same way, where it's like, man, if you blitzed Rodgers, it's like uh, that that was minus EV. 
It's like, oh, he's just going to roll out and smoke you because one of your safeties is in the backfield and you've got you've got whoever down running on down the seam. So it, blitzing him is a bad idea. And if your pass rush isn't getting home, he's going to have the time to do what he wants, even without Beasles. I think the pass the pass offense should be just fine. So th- th- that's one of the main matchups is just if you can't disrupt him, if the pass offense can work it. 80% of top efficiency, they should be able to score. And then it's up to you to try to get your offense going with Phillip Rivers in the cold. Mm. Speaking of Phillip Rivers in the cold, Suma, um, what is your read on playoff Phil Rivers? Uh, you were high on the Colts coming into the season, but uh, I have a funny feeling that you have no interest in backing the Colts in this game. Is some of that because of this matchup, like you mentioned, that you know you got Phillip Rivers going up against Trey White in a legit passing defense and you know, he's going to be outdoors and is we just haven't seen it from him this season. It's funny that I think we actually talked about it in the preseason. We said that um, we kind of like the Colts. They are going to have a very easy schedule and then we might have a chance to fade from the, <laughs> oh, the yes. season. Yes, yes. And that's actually what's happening right now. Um, the Colts offense, I think I really love Philip Rivers. Absolutely. I was high on them going to the season, but their offense ranks 10th in EPA per play, and they played the easiest schedule in the league. They really played a lot, lots of uh, bad defenses, and when they actually played a few good defenses, it was kind of ugly at times. Um, exa- um, for example, against the Ravens at home, uh, where they barely scored 10 points. Um, going to the season, we had a very, very strong prior on the Bills' defense, uh, basically borderline top top five material. They started very cold, but they progressed or um, as the season got, went on. And, and over the second part of the season, I think over the past five or six weeks, the Bills defense ranks first in EPA per play. And it's not even close to the second uh, one, I think, the Rams. Um, so they're really coming together. Um, they have the uh, sixth best pass rushing grade from PFF, strong front seven. Um the Colts will be without Anthony Costanzo, with this, which is a tough blow, in my opinion. So I don't really see how the Colts move the ball consistently. They will pro- probably try to run the ball, but that only works if their defense can contain Allen and they don't fall into a game script where Philip Rivers has to drop back in the pocket, hold the ball for three seconds, uh, look for something downfield. Um and then gets crushed by the front seven without his starting left tackle. And I think this is a um, game script that's that seems very realistic to me. Uh, like I said, I don't see how the Colts defense gets any significant key stops here. And then the Colts might chase elite, um, and that could be a disaster in the second half. So, um, yeah, I just think that the Colts, defense, uh, Colts offense is a little bit overrated because of their easy schedule. And um, there might find an enemy in the Bills defense this week. I love it. I love it. It's what you just described sounds a lot like what we saw Buffalo Pittsburgh, and I think that this is a pretty similar yeah. sort of game. The way that this, you know, I, I think coming out of the gate, the Bills might be a little, you know, a little like they're stuck in mud just because the Colts defense is legit, and they haven't played many legit defenses really down the stretch. Um, nerves might be up for Josh Allen. You know, I mean, it may take a little while for them to settle in, but the chances that the Bills get a defensive score off of Philip Rivers' turnover is real. <laughs> the chances that the Bills... Yeah, it's uh, not a great know, defense, away. but they have a great player. You have one really yeah, that's good exactly that's guy, 
if you can take away one weapon from that offense, it might really end up with the Colts being stuck in mud, even against a bad defense. I like what they've gotten pass rush wise lately from AJ. Esp- can't even pronounce his last name. The rookie Espensa. AJ Espensa has been pretty dynamic as a pass rushing weapon late right. here for him, which has been pretty cool. Going up against uh, an offensive line missing their left left tackle, he might have a, a nice little day. Um, but I think Suma, I think you nailed it. Um, at some point in this game, the Colts are going to be down two scores, and at that point, the game is on Philip Rivers' arm. And it is good night now. Um, I'm happy having an under still, especially given that I've gotten a point of of uh, line move in my favor already. And uh, I, yeah, I mean, I'm again, I'm shocked that this there's not more Buffalo support, um, given how you know how good it's been to back them lately. I would have thought there would have been a lot of Buffalo support, but here we are. Six and a half on the opener was a fair play. You guys ready to move on? Yeah, 20, uh, 28, 21 Buffalo Bills. Everybody wins. I can live with that. <laughs> 38, nothing. 38, nothing works too. And that's it would, not crazy. It, nothing would be funnier than a Buffalo Bills comeback versus Frank Reich, I guess. We've seen a game, the first game of wildcard weekend at like 38, nothing, right? Yeah. All right. All right. Anyway, it happened. Chiefs Texans. The sandwich game. <laughs> yeah, that was yeah, it was two seconds. That's right. The uh sandwich game here on Saturday is the LA Rams going to the Seattle Seahawks. Andy, do you want to frame this one? Yeah, let's take a look at this. This is the one that I hoped wouldn't happen, I guess. It's <laughs> I don't know. We we might get some uh, we we were waiting for clarity on this one. And again, I, I framed this the other day and I said this the fact that this market is still up. The fact that it's still on the board either means the market's pretty comfortable saying they know who the quarterback will play, or it doesn't matter. And the quarterback, the level that you get from Goff in a McVay offense isn't that different from Wolford. So uh, I, I guess maybe I lean towards the latter, where the market just doesn't care who plays because they bring they bring different you know they bring different. Uh, parts to the offense where one is a little more mobile, but a little less experienced. So either way you're going against a a defense that's I'd hoped it improve, you know, the pass rush did with some additions, but you've got an injury with Adams now. And then against an offense that I don't know what happened, man. It's, it's like watching, watching a complete turnaround before your eyes. Like, Oh my God, this offense is going to be so fun. As much as I hate the Seahawks year in and year out, I was very excited for them at the beginning of the year. Like, this is fun. What they're doing is awesome. This is how you win in the NFL. And then it's just ground to a halt for no reason. Like, I'm, I'm not sure why the play calling slowly changed the other way, but it, it's been a lot less fun to watch this team now. Like they're, they're both just the Rams now. It's, it's not great. And I guess, I I lean towards the points. I didn't take it. I could have got a better number here. I haven't bet this. I likely won't. But in a game like this, I guess give me the better defense here. I I, I don't have a I don't have a strong take on this, so I'll lean on you guys and maybe bounce off that. But I don't know if I can lay points with Seattle against this defense, even at home. Even the fact that they just just beat them, you give uh, you give the better coach time to prepare. Even with a backup, I think we have a close game. I guess this is a that's a good point. The fact that they just played, and it's worth yeah. pointing out and acknowledging and raising our hands. The deep dive podcast has not been on the right side of Seattle 
LA Rams either game this year. I was very, very, very confident Seattle would win game one. They lost comfortably. You were on Rams game two. They lost comfortably. I thought the over was a good look in both games. It went dead nuts under both times. <laughs> this has been a very, very tough one for me to put my finger on what's going on here. But I like your point. Seattle does have the better defense. I mean, excuse me, the Rams very clearly have the better defense. Seattle's defense probably wildly overrated. I mean, they've played some bad teams down the stretch, some real bad ones. They've gone up against Nick Mullins, Jared Goff, Washington football, you know, some, some of these other teams, Jets, Giants, Eagles. You know, they have they have gone up against a who's who of nobodies. Uh, and it's helped buoy their their ranking. I guess do you have that similar sense, Suma, that the the market in general might be overrating Seattle's defense based on opponents played and or, uh, you know, just the Rams defense being the strongest unit out of the four on the field is the distinguishing factor in this handicap. Yeah, I think so. And I would say not only the Rams defense, I think outside of quarterback and linebacker, I think the Rams are clearly the better team. Um, I would take that Rams coaching staff over the Seattle's every time uh, if possible um and that Seahawks offense has really fa has really fallen off a cliff uh they started very well like Andy has mentioned um but since that I think it was the Bills game in Buffalo all of a sudden that offense has not been clicking anymore I I can't really tell you what it is exactly maybe defenses have caught up maybe Scott Neimer uh, calls the same stuff all over again um, Russell Wilson seems like he's holding the ball too long. That puts uh, too much stress on the offensive line that is still not very good at all. Um, and then all of a sudden, that offense is not working. Over the second half of the season, uh, they are just an average offense in EPA per play. Since week yeah. 13, they are 23rd in EPA per play, worse than the Rams offense, <laughs> for what it's worth. So wow. I don't really... I'm not necessarily saying that um, these the offensive splits over the second half are more predictive for this game, but something just doesn't feel right with this offense. And they're playing against the, in my opinion, best defense in the league. Um, they got great uh, two, uh, three really good cornerbacks who can match up with Metcalf and Tyler Lockett. Jen Ramsey is um, giving up 20 yards per game in his coverage, uh, which seems nuts uh, in such a high-scoring season. Um, that offensive line of the Seahawks should get ripped. And during the first two games, the, the Rams held them to 16 and 20 points. And if they can do this again, and I don't know a lot of reasons why they couldn't, the Rams are alive in this game, in my opinion. And um, I'm currently expecting Goff to play at 75%. Um, he, he has been taking snaps on Sunday on the side. He's been taking snaps yesterday. Doc Chow said that he expects Goff to play. So I'm currently thinking that Goff is going to play. Um, he, they get Cooper Cup back. They get Andrew Whitworth back, which is a major boost for this offensive line. Yes. Whitworth was the highest graded um, left left tackle by PFF before his injury, I guess. So um, That's flying was, under the radar, too. You're the first yeah, person I've yeah. heard you know, everybody, that. Everybody wants to talk quarterback, but yeah, Whit Whitworth injury, what, like five, six weeks ago? Um, you know, that was somebody who was not playing. 
in the the second matchup, and, and like it's still a point of contention here on the deep dive. That I liked the Rams in the first matchup as well, and Drew liked Seattle enough where I just passed in the game. And then they <laughs> and I, I maybe I talked to you out of the other side of the second quarter. Like we just always talk each other out of the winning bet on Rams Seattle games. So maybe it's one best left alone, and I'll just put a small tickle on uh, like Rams minus. Uh, maybe I'll just bet like Rams minus two and a half. Well, so here's the thing is um, you're about to have that very – you're about to have to make that very difficult decision because these three and a halfs are about to disappear. Yeah. Um, this is probably about to go to Rams plus three by the time that this – you know, and I you know, I guess if, if uh, Suma is correct and Goff is announced in, there will likely be some market – support for the Rams based on that injury news al- alone, right? Like people will rush to bet that n- just to get that number, espe- expecting it to move, right? B- Which regardless wild, of whether it's, it's right or not, right? Regardless, right? But um so I think you're yeah, you're going to have to make a tough decision of okay, at some point am I taking the 3 points with the Rams or am I just backing the money line here? Um one of the reasons you should have strongly considered taking the points with the Rams earlier is because Seattle plays close games. Uh, I don't actually have any theory at all, and I haven't heard anyone smart who covers football come up with a very clear answer to this. And it's especially weird because there are so many smart people who cover football who love love the Seahawks, live and die by the Seahawks. But it has been a tale of two offenses this season. The first eight weeks, they scored 30-plus in every game except the Vikings game where they scored 27. Which was second, just and and all those points were after halftime. They lot, went into yeah, halftime with zero were, points. Yes. They the yeah. offense was just yes. I don't know why they came out sleepy, but they came out in the second half and put up twenty seven on the Vikes. Yep, and and then flip flip that on its head over the last eight weeks of the season, starting with the Rams game. Interestingly, they have only scored over thirty points once, and that was against the Jets. Kind of those points also were, you know, were turnover assisted. So it has really been strange to see because we see this with defense all the time. And I don't even think twice about it anymore, right? Where first eight weeks of the season, you have one defense, second eight weeks, it's totally different. I don't know that I've ever seen this with offense. I don't think it's entirely um, based on strength of opponent. Um, you know, this is a team that scored, scored 37 against the Niners the first time they played and could only come up with 26 the second time and that 26 was a ton of garbage time points when weird sort of that game got away they they were not moving the ball well or running clean efficient offense at all early in that game against the Niners um I don't know do you have any theories Andy as to what the hell happened to Russell Wilson in this offense I I don't understand it either and here I mean somebody in the chat just said just Seattle went from the number one pass rate on early downs in week one through nine to the 13th the rest of the season I so have no idea well, yeah, the scheme Secret. the scheme just Secret. changed, and it, and I don't know. It was it was it was successful. I mean, it's still a team that, and that's what the problem with this is. They were still a successful team. They still won their division. They still made the playoffs. So, you know, it, it, how are they going to say, "Oh, we need to go back to the drawing board next year"? No, we won our division again. We're a good team. So, uh, it sucks because they if they would just stick with this. They could be just. They could be the Chiefs West. You know that this offense was fun. This offense was high flying and it was working. And they have some pieces of work. I, I have no. I honestly, I have no uh, 
reasoning why they would change it other than the the men that run the show. I don't know if it was something funny like, uh, you know, we saw in Dallas with the Kellen Moore two years ago where a couple, you know, there's a couple weeks and it's like, oh, it's it's looking like this is a different Dallas Steve offense. And then slowly it get back like, oh, they threw to Witten like nine times today. Mm. And like, oh, this is. It's like, or, you know, whoever. It's like it was turning back into the Garrett show. I don't know if they, they let someone have some, you know, have some uh, say in the offense. and then for, But that, that theory doesn't hold water because why would you change it when it's working so well? So, it, again, it's like, it's like they flipped a switch and it doesn't make sense why. So you think it's a case of shooting themselves in the dickitis. This is pretty much yes, it's self-inflicted. Much. This is self, like, self-inflicted. Through, through it. And then right into the foot. They shot themselves in okay. the dick and the foot. Okay. Okay. Well, DK Metcalf getting matched up against Jalen Ramsey is fun. That should be a great matchup. Aaron Donald going up against Russell Wilson is going to be fun. Um, I support the Rams here, I think. I mean, just from an interest, you know, in, I, I guess I don't hate the idea that the Rams move on and play. Who would they? Well, we'll talk about who they would likely play, but uh, it's tough for me to see that there's going to be an upset in the other two NFC games, which would mean the Rams would head to Green Bay. I want to see that matchup badly. I want to see Aaron Rodgers tested with this defense badly. Um, and so I guess I'll, I'll cheer for a Rams upset here. And honestly, I can't make a case for many more of the dogs on the card, which is a little spooky. I'm struggling to find another dog besides the uh, the Rams that I have any interest in this week. Um, but sure enough, they're one of the, they're going to, they're probably going to be the smallest dog once it's all said and done as this market kind of yeah. moves its way to three. Um, all right, good shit. Let's move on. Tampa Bay, Washington football team. Uh, I will frame this one by saying this is a tricky handicap. There are a lot of signs. There was a lot of historical, um, I don't want to say trends, but signal that tells you that Tom Brady and Tampa Bay are not up to the not up to the that, that they're kind of a Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde offense when it comes to the strength of the defense they're facing. When they're going up against a poor defense, they light the world on fire. They can't be stopped. They are only scoring as many points as they feel like scoring. Um, when they go up against a top defense with specifically a defense that has strength on the defensive line in the front seven, they look very different. I would point to the Saints games as an as an example. I would point to the Rams game as an example, the Bears game as an example, even the Giants game to a degree, which was, by the way, in prime time. In fact, Tom Brady, if you go back and look at his last um, seven primetime games, he is one in six straight up. His only win was against the Giants as a double-digit favorite. And he is 0-7 against the Giants. I've seen him lose against the Giants a couple times in primetime. Yeah. <laughs> and it was because the Giants had the world, some of the world's rush. best you know, pre- pressure up front. Um, that said, there's some nuance. There's some differences between what Washington does in terms of generating pressure and what has, what has historically flummoxed Brady. Uh, I would say Brady... And in a vacuum, you know, Brady's had a very easy schedule down the stretch. But if you just look over the last five weeks, the two best quarterbacks in the NFL, and it's not close, are Lamar Jackson and Tom Brady. Who would have believed that? But he has gone up against weak offense, weak defenses, and he is uh, he has just lit the world on fire. Now, Mike Evans is a little limited with the hamstring. He probably goes. 
the offensive line is missing. Who, who, do they, who are they? They're going to be missing AQ Shipley. He retires, right? Um, but he may not be the most important piece on that offensive line. They got a little bit of inexperience at the tackle with Tristan Wirfs. Um, clearly, Ali Marpet isn't playing at the same high level that we saw from him earlier in the season before his concussion. So there is there's there are a lot of red flags here about laying the points with Tampa, which means this is kind of a Washington or nothing in my the way I look at this game. And when I saw the report that Ron Rivera was going to give both quarterbacks a chance to 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 be a part of this game plan, then that be pretty clear quickly became nothing. <laughs> is Washington football or nothing? Oh, Wait, two quarter. Okay. Nothing. I'm yeah, out. I'm right. Um, I, I also go back to this yeah. example. I mean, just yeah, real quick, you talked about the, the pass rush. This is maybe the only thought I have in this game because I'm I'm with you. I'm out because of the uncertainty with the Washington quarterback situation. But you talked about um, how this pass rush attacks, how this team can be attacked by a pass rush. And I think back to the year that the Patriots went up against some very good pass rushes. And Belichick, I mean, McDaniels switched up the offense where Brady was just firing it at like a second and a quarter. You know, like the the average time to get the ball out was ridiculously fast, way faster than he was during the regular season. It worked beautifully. And I just don't think Arians is going to do that. Like he's not capable of changing his offense to be, let's get the ball out fast. It's, it's just antithetical of what he does with offense. And yeah. so I worry. So I worry about the pass rush, but then again, I worry about Taylor Heineke playing. So I I don't want to play <laughs> this game. I I don't want to bet this game. But if you made if you gave me money and said it had to be wagered on this, it would probably be Washington or the under. I guess. I yeah. So Suma, you've had a great read on Tampa this year, in my opinion. You've picked a couple of really nice spots to back them, and they've rewarded you. Um, you have been opposite me on the matchbook pot a couple times where I was banging the drum that Brady's washed, he's done, he's cooked, he's not worth backing. Do you know, as, as you look at Tampa in this game, do you think they get through comfortably or get through, I don't know, 90% of the time? And do you think they have any chance beyond that in the playoffs given sort of their potential path? Yes, um, I'm holding a couple of uh, Tampa Bay Future Super Bowl and uh, NFC Championship. Um, I think I took them right after Antonio Brown got signed. Uh, I think I got 10 to 1 on Super Bowl and 5 to 1 on the um, NFC. Um, I think, first of all, I think Bray's playing a great season so far. And over the past four weeks, they have been on fire completely. I think they are the second best um, offense in EPA per play right after Green Bay. Um, of course, they played some really bad defenses, but the Falcons' defense is actually, has actually been playing very well since Dan Quinn got fired, and they um, gave some really good offenses a lot of trouble uh, throughout the season. And uh, Brady just completely shredded them um, within three, uh, uh, sorry, uh, six quarters, uh, starting in the second half of the first Falcons game. And... What you can also see over the past few weeks is that they increase their play action rate. They have more motion pre-snap. Um, and it, I feel, I, I should look it up, but I, I feel like they are trying to attack uh, Rob Gronkowski more vertically than they did before. So, And uh, what's also very important, I think over the uh, first half of the season, they ranked like 20th or 21st in 
uh, neutral game state, early down uh, passing rate, and they have been ranking, I think, um, seventh over the past five, six, seven weeks. So they have clearly changed their offense a little bit, more play action, more motion, more early down passing. And maybe we see some more of the quick passing game because it's obvious that they have, well, they are trying to change something. I think this is pretty nuts to say. Um, they lost Mike Evans maybe for this week, and I still don't really worry about their offense because they got Antonio Brown, Chris Godwin, and Rob Gronkowski, which is pretty crazy to say. Um, I think or I expect some more quick passing games, some more play action, and I can lay the points with the Bucks here. I think uh, the number is spot on. I took Bucks in a teaser to close out a teaser. I lean a little bit towards the under um, because I don't see the Washington football team getting anything going. And those would be my only looks in this game. Yeah, you, you kind of nailed Like I was going to ask, and I was going to ask you immediately after you finished up, like, what do you think about putting the Bucks in the teaser leg? It's, it's at an eight and a half. I mean, it's the perfect spot. Even road favorites aren't traditionally great, but this is a, this is a strange spot being a playoff game, possibly against Taylor Heineke or Alex Smith with, you know, two thirds of his calf. So yeah, I, I like this as a teaser leg as well under, I just don't have a match for it. And it might end up being an open teaser for me if I can figure out uh, who will let me do that and still give me a good price. Cause those seem to be mutually exclusive. Hmm. Yeah. Right now it looks like New Orleans is teaser protected. I don't love what value you're getting on Tennessee or Rams no. teasing them across seven. No, so it'll it likely be an open leg. I mean, Bills, you could get down to minus one. You don't get the seven, but you capture six, four, three, two. Yeah, what, what sucks is like the – and it's so little to begin with, but, yeah, we talked about that a little yesterday with Eric is the – when it was six and a half, like teasing at six and a half is, you know, there's such a small little bit of of a push on, on a tie – but it's it's completely gone in the playoffs. So oh, that's a great you know, point. You know, teasing <laughs> yeah. to teasing to a half. Yeah. You're paying. You're you're teasing to or teasing to zero is teasing to a half anyway. So it makes it a weird situation. But mm. if if there's if there's some late steam there, I could add that. Or probably it'll probably end up being an open one if I can figure that out. Okay. Well, I played the under here. I played it earlier in the week at a better number, but I still see some value at forty five. Um, again, there are enough red flags that you're gonna. I guess. If you're afraid to punch an under on a Washington football team game, it's because you're afraid that the other team is going to score 40-something points. It's not because you're afraid Washington's going to go score for score. Am I right about that? I mean, I don't think anyone in this in, in the world right now is looking at the Washington football team offense and saying, I don't know, maybe they get off today, <laughs> right? Like, this is, is a team. Is it correlated? If you like to lay the points. Yeah. Yeah. I think there's I think a little there bit of correlation, correlation there. Yeah. No, no. I, cause I, I mean, in, ter in terms of, if, if you're talking about like, what is the range Washington of Washington and the under being correlated yeah. more than anything, yeah. I think. Yeah. Yeah. I, th I think there is. Um, yeah, I, I don't think they go score for score and stay within, you know, the, oh, no. you know, no. it, it ended, uh, ended up being 32 24. Right. Right. The big uncertainty in this game is can the Washington football Tampa. team put a lid on Tampa's offensive ceiling? Yeah. That's the big question. And if they do, then they stay inside the number. If they don't, then Tampa Bay covers. Um, but you're, yeah, you that you make a great point. There is some correlation here. 
Um, so I'm going to explore that a little bit in terms of uh, see if there's some value in same game parlaying that. But I played under 47. I think this is uh, I think this one is a pretty I think there are enough red flags about Tampa and Tom in prime time against a good D line with a little bit of, you know, limitations to his receiving core and on terrible and just, turf. And guess what? Like I, I, I get I get it. Like they've done some great things in Tampa this year offensively. I don't think Byron Leftwich and Bruce Arians are ever going to be my guys to run an offense. I just I don't think they that their vision really matches up with their I, like they can't evaluate what they have especially well. Um, and here's you know what there's there is one specific reason that I like the under in this game, and his name is Leonard Fournette. And his hands are going to touch this ball. His hands are going to touch this Every ball. Every time he touches the ball, the point, like the point times, and drop. hands are going to touch this ball. And five of those touches might be carries. Five of those touches might be um, targets. And he might catch one of those five targets. But whatever the case is, every time Tom Brady does a swing pass to Leonard Fournette uh, and he gets tackled for a two-yard loss or they do some garbage uh, you know, run up the middle with him and he gets buried in the backfield it is going to be like time off the clock, a little bit of a breather for the Washington football team and uh, potentially a drive killer. Um, and for whatever reason, they just can't see past that and evaluate their own team and know what would make a more effective and more dynamic offense overall against the team with a good defense. So uh, under and under is the play for me here. And um I got a lot of unders this weekend, actually. Interestingly, wonderful, 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 wonderful wild card weekend. On to Sunday. Uh, on to Sunday. I'm going to step back and let you guys take this away because I am obviously blinded by Very bias by Ravens. So, Andy, go go right ahead, please. I like your. I, I do like your Ravens, but I think the number is pretty good. You know, I, I made the case earlier that I would be fine going against my number in a Buffalo in the Buffalo game. Uh, but I was, you know, I was able to back that up with some matchup evidence or just multiple matchups that I thought were going to go against the team that I disagreed with number wise. In this case, I, I do like to stay away from this one as well, because uh, I don't think, you know, you, you have that dichotomy of, I need to wait to see if this team is actually good or I know something that the market doesn't know and I'm going to get ahead of it. And I'm, I'm not comfortable being in the ladder where I'm not sure if Baltimore is good. Like, I know they're good, but I don't know if they're good. You know what I'm saying? They've beat up, and they beat, they beat the tar out of some really bad teams, and their offense is clicking, and the defense is clicking, and even when they're giving up some yardage, they're stopping those drives with turnovers or turning people back. It's, But again, the, comp the level of competition has been so low. The only thing I can't say about this game is if the Baltimore offense – has found its stride, the play calling, the scheming, the play sequencing, all of the things that you add up to equal you know, a successful offense, if they were able to put that together over these last few weeks against bad teams, the Tennessee defense, the, I mean, Tennessee is a bad team if you look at their defense. Like they have a they have a good offense, but like their defense isn't that far removed from Cincinnati, Jacksonville, teams like that. It's not like the, the so you know I say Baltimore played bad teams and we saw the results. Well, Baltimore is playing a better team. Uh, their offense isn't. Their offense is still going to be playing a bad team. This Tennessee defense can be beat up. 
So, I mean, you see what the total is. It's mid-50s for a team that – two teams that do enjoy running the ball quite a bit, and we're still at 54.5. So, if the, if the Baltimore offense shows up, shows out, they probably cover this number. I have no interest in laying over a field goal, though. If you want to lay the points of Baltimore, I'd sell it to like six. I, it, I think they win, they win. You know, they win, they win big. The offense works. The defense shows up. Uh, this is probably the one I'm going to watch the most of. Like, I'm not going to watch all these games, obviously, but I'm going to watch this the most intently. Okay. And that's Suma, where I stand. I won't be betting it. Suma, can you uh, fill me with confidence about my Baltimore Ravens? Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> I'll make the counter. I'll make the counter because, you okay. know, I, it's anytime you have a position, um, you know, you it's important to kind of do a little bit of self-evaluation. You don't want to be caught up in the emotion of whatever position you have. And I obviously have a very strong position on the Ravens to go far in these playoffs. And this is a big high leverage spot because a ton of equity comes out of them winning this game. Uh, and the fact that they're huge favorites, that I like that. It makes me feel, you know, relatively comfortable. But I can make some case for Tennessee. But I'm curious first, uh, what is the case for Baltimore? Um, and, uh, you know, I guess, do you, you have a position on Baltimore? Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah, I took the Ravens minus three yesterday. I think minus 108 or minus 110 when it was basically at the best price available for the Ravens. Um, I just think that the Ravens have a very, very good matchup for the Titans, which sound might a little bit stupid after the Titans just um, upset the Ravens earlier in the season. But um, I want to talk about this game uh, briefly. Um in that game, I had Titans plus six, um, and I didn't feel we, we had Titans plus six, but it's safe to say we didn't feel confident about the ticket uh, throughout the game. Um, the, the Titans had a lot going on for them. Um, the Ravens have a very, very good uh, rush defense this season, but in this game, they were without Calais Campbell, without Brandon Williams, their two best run defender on the uh, defensive line. They lost linebacker LJ Ford, I think, in the second quarter. They lost Jimmy Smith in the, in the second quarter. And despite all those holes in their defense on paper, they held Derrick Henry to 44 rushing yards on 18 carries going to the fourth quarter. So they basically shut down the Titans offense for three quarters. Derrick Henry couldn't do anything in this game. Um, the Ravens had a 21-10 lead going into the uh, fourth quarter, I guess, or late in the third. Um, and then all of, all of a sudden, I think when defensive linemen play 50, 60 snaps against the Titans, Derrick Henry might break out a couple of runs. But still, the, the uh, Titans needed a uh, third and 10 late in the game, two minutes to go. Uh, Tannehill threw the ball short of the sticks, and AJ Brown broke four tackles, four tackles with basically three guys. Um, holding his jersey and whatever and then he's got the uh, go-ahead touchdown so the titans had a lot of lot, lot of things going on um i think now the titans have a very bad defense they had a they have maybe the worst front seven in the league right now um with all those uh injuries also piling up uh, during the season they lost to casey before the season which was their best one defender last season also in that game against the Ravens. Um, I don't really see how the Titans defensively are able to uh, contain um, the Ravens' offense that has been playing on a superb level recently. 
And on the other side, like I said, the Ravens have a very good run defense. They are almost in full strength defensively. And they have three cornerbacks who can play man-to-man against Corey Davis and Adrian Brown. Um, then what's also important to me in this game is the game script and the philosophy of Arthur Smith and Mike Rabel. Uh, the Titans have shown us all, over and over again they don't care who their opponent is. They just try to run the ball early and often and they play play action off of it. Um, against the Broncos early in the season, their run game was not really working well. They kept doing it. Uh, against the Steelers, they came out with a one-first approach against the best front seven in the league at this point. Uh, at that point back then, they ran the ball the entire first half and I think they scored their first points um, just prior to halftime. Uh, against the Packers, they tried to run the ball. They couldn't. They and they basically stopped uh, running the ball when it was way too late. So in this game, I think they will try what they always try to do. Um, the Ravens could be ahead with two scores. And then it's basically Ryan Tannehill dropping back behind a bad offensive line that cannot pass protect and might be with our left guard, Roger Seffold, against a really, really good Ravens defense in full strength. And that could get ugly throughout the game if the Titans are not able to score. Um, that's why I happily take the Ravens minus three. I think that number moved to minus three, minus 120 right now. I would still take that, um, but I would not play the minus three and a half. Okay. That's fair. That's I, the, that's fair. I had almost forgotten about that AJ, that AJ touchdown. That was, I, uh, did, I had totally forgotten about that. They, yeah. they were more, it was more like tickles than tackles before that. I mean, it looked like that they, they had their hands on them, but somehow their hands had no friction and he just yeah. moved away from people. It was one of the damnedest plays I've ever saw how he just, he was, he had, he was surrounded and he just walked through them as if he had superpowers. Like that was an yeah. odd touchdown. And I mean, he's, he's a full grown man. You're and yeah. you're, you bring up a great point. I, I, the, I never felt comfortable about that Titans plus six until that game was over. Even in, even in overtime, I was like, great, it's going to be a push, you know, like it was, it never felt good. Um, and, Titans were getting six in that game. Granted, it was on the road. Home field advantage is worth nothing. Um, and the Ravens were not the same team they are now. Like, they have completely um, upgraded their playbook. They are running the good plays, for lack of a better way of describing it. Um, Lamar Jackson, substantially more, uh, you know, he's showing us substantially more athleticism uh, now than he was then. Um and you're getting it, yeah. You're getting a discount price. You're getting a three. You're getting it at three and a half instead of six. So yeah. Um, all right, no, I get it. I get it. You got it at three instead of six. So you know, nice, nice play. Um, okay, so the case for the Titans is pretty straightforward in my opinion. Yes, their defense stinks, but they stink against the pass. And we did see Lamar Jackson kind of rediscover his athleticism and his ability to make dynamic plays on the ground over the last half of the season, but we still have yet to see him develop any chemistry with this poor wide receiving core. They really only just have the one pass play that's anything noteworthy, and that is Andrews up the seam, okay? And for whatever it's worth, last year in the playoffs, the Titans came in with the game plan where they said, we are taking that play away at all costs. We're taking that play away. Beat us down the sidelines if, you, if you're going to beat us, and Lamar Jackson couldn't do it. Now, will that same exact game plan work uh, this time around? I can't tell you, but I can, but I do think there is some question about Baltimore being able to specifically take advantage of where the Titans are the most vulnerable for a lack of a better way of describing it. Um, 
similarly, uh, the Ravens, you, you, your points about the Ravens being at full strength on defense are, are very valid. They are. Um, they, but they still, they had a tough time getting off the field uh, when they went up against the physical rushing attack of the Patriots this season. They had a tough time getting off the field, um, you know, uh, against uh, physical rushing attack uh, of the Cleveland Browns in that Monday Night Football game that they won 47-42. Like, they needed to stop late in that game, and they just couldn't get it. And a lot of it was, uh, you know, the physicality that Cleveland brought into that game. And that is what Tennessee likes to do, first and foremost, is get physical with you. Um, you know, Derrick Henry, you know, specifically. Everywhere <laughs> except the pass rush. There, it's yeah, it's much much more that's dainty true. along the that's defensive true. line. But at the same time, at the same time, that's exactly like the, like not having a good pass rush is a f- I, huge I, problem. Is a huge problem going up against, against the pocket passer. Pocket, exactly. Yeah. It is not a huge problem going up against a guy who kind of wants you to get your guys in the backfield running downhill so that he can slip through the gap and he's gone for 10 yards right like it's, it's like not- what i said with josh allen or comparing it to rogers when all oh, the pockets collapsed well sorry he's he's outside of the pocket throwing to his tight end or he's seven yards upfield already you know the collapsing the right. pocket isn't isn't paramount to stopping lamar right right and so I, it's not it's not the exact perfect it's a little bit square peg round hole in terms of what the ravens do well and where you can really really make the titans bleed um, and I think we've, you know, we've, we've been, we've seen what, you know, wh- how you can make the Titans bleed, uh, a lot this season. And so I think the signal is pretty strong. All that said, Derrick Henry has carried the ball so many freaking times. He really, I mean, yeah, great. He got 200 yards last week against the te- Texans defense that couldn't stop anyone. Um, but he is, he has carried quite the load this season. Um, and if he still has fresh legs, then he is superhuman. Um, I don't know that he's going to have much of an impact or much of a say on how this game gets played out at all. I love the fact that you have a healthy D line, Brandon Williams and Judon's playing great this season. Um, they got Wolf in there as a replacement guy. He's fair. He's a fair run stopper. Uh, Kalei Campbell. I don't know what to expect really. He hasn't looked himself over the last half of the season. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it, it should be, uh, it should be a great game. Just Ravens, just get us a win. They got the better special teams. They got the better coaching. Um, just get to the next me. round. That was me knocking on wood. I'm knocking on wood here. Oh, I thought <laughs> um, I missed it. I couldn't see your hands. All right. Well, yeah, I, I like Baltimore at a three a lot better than where it currently sits. Okay. All right. That sounds fair. Uh, you guys ready to move to the big easy? I'll yes. tee this one up. New Orleans Saints, huh? 10-point favorites at home against the team from the NFC North. Where have we heard that before? We've been we've been down this road. <laughs> no way they could lose. Uh, you know, double no, two score favorite against a two score favorite against a uh, a suspect NFC North team that snuck into the playoffs. Never heard this before. Um there's a little bit of I have a little bit of problem with this line being out to 10 10 and a half um to me that looks like a number that reflects home field advantage which eh, it's a big home field advantage in the past in the past sure you're you're noisy having a dome 
playoff, you know, there is a certain level where things get jacked up for the playoffs. I've been to Twins games in the Metrodome, and I've been to Twins playoff games in the Metrodome. And in one of those situations, you can hear yourself. Like the, those, <laughs> the, the noise levels that you can get inside of a, a dome stadium is wild. And, yeah. you know, just where we're at this year, that, that's a big part of why home field is gone, not only affecting the other team's offense, but the, the ref bias. So, uh, yeah, I, I think the number's probably long too, but I'm kind of at stuck at the same point where this number's too big, but do I want to be sitting there with a Bears ticket when I finally watch, you know, a, a, a team that I've railed on this for weeks it's like oh here they're gonna have to re-sign mitch because he gets to play like the lions and the vikings and what the jag i can't remember who we all play a bunch of bad teams in a row i'm hoping dallas was it dallas do you want me to do you want me to reel off yes. the 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 list so um reel, reel off the mitch performances to close mitch, the year mitch came, mitch came in against the green bay packers week 12 he scored 25 points most of them garbage then he got to face the lions the texans the Vikings, and the Jaguars. He went against four of the five worst defenses in the NFL in consecutive And he looked weeks. good. And now he's going to get an extension, and the Bears are – it's the groundhog has shown its head. The Bears are screwed for six more years or whatever works out. Um, we saw more of what the Bears' offense should look like against the Green Bay defense that I'm not super high on, but it's a better team than clearly those teams. So I think while the number is a little big, you're paying a bit of a premium – I'm I'm thinking the Bears offense is a lot closer to what we saw versus the Packers than what we saw versus any of those bad defenses. And, I mean, the Saints pass rush is better than the Packers pass rush. The Saints defense is better than the Packers. De- like, it's, it's, a, it's a bad matchup. It's on the road, and uh, it's a lot of points. I probably won't be laying it, but I, I couldn't. I don't think it would take a miracle to talk me into a Bears ticket. If they backdoor mm. it, so be it. The playoffs are a little different with backdoors, but I'm 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 kind of out on this one. I'm not excited mm. that the Bears got in. It, it makes for a bad game. Yeah, and I mean, I think uh, you know, Suma, you can articulate this a little bit, but I feel like we 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 were shown pretty clearly last week what Mitch Trubisky and this Bears offense looks like against a defense that is that is competent and that is trying hard <laughs> and it's not good. <laughs> they only scored 16 points against 16, the, uh, yeah. we, we both had an over ticket on that and it got home thanks to a garbage time green Bay score, <laughs> which was not how I saw that going at all. Happy to have, happy to have it come home, but it did not, did not expect that. Um, what is your read on this bears offense? What is their ceiling? What is their potential in this game? Uh, and uh, is there any advantage matchup? in any way, shape, or form for Chicago to score points in this one? I don't really think so. Um, <sighs> Mitch Trubisky looked good against bad defenses, but the problem is that he looked good, but the offense didn't play or didn't put up huge efficiency numbers. For example, I think the, the Bears over that uh, magic stretch against four bad defenses – they averaged around 0.22 or 0.25 EPA per play. And on the same easy stretch that the Ravens had, they were averaging 0.15 EPA per play more. Uh, so just to put it into perspective, um, the Bears came back to earth against the Packers. I think the Saints defense is better than the Packers. They can they can easily shut down the run against that uh, 
below average offensive line and offense offense yeah exactly um and on the other side The Bears' defense, which we thought was pretty good, ranks 22nd in EPA per pass on the season. Um, they've been playing with basically practice squad cornerbacks, which didn't help. But even if Jalen Johnson and Buster Screen are back this week, <sighs> Jalen Johnson is a rookie. He had a solid season, but it's still a rookie playing against the Drew Brees offense. Buster Screen is not good at all. And, this, and the Bears... The only strength of their defense is their defensive line. And this is something that the Saints can negate with a very good offensive line. So I don't really see um, how the Bears could give them a foot race in the end. Um, I think the number is a tad high, but I can rather make a case for the Saints than I can for the Bears. And so I'm just passing on this game. Um, mm. I yeah, might bet. Good. I'm. I, I might uh, bet uh, bet the Bears team total under. I think it's 70 and a half right now. This would be something I would look on the side. Secret, but, pod, secret, pod, uh, secret podcast. Secret podcast. Total team total. Oh, it's happening. <laughs> We didn't even have to think of one. Somebody did it for us. This is nice. Um, yeah, if you go cool. every time I'm watching like Red Zone or other games and I'm tracking and you see someone scored in a Bears game if you just are like looking at score bugs and be Italy, there's a lot of B screen in, in coverage. It's like, you know, whoever <laughs> caught a touchdown screen in coverage. Yeah. He gets beat a lot. I don't yeah. think getting him and the rookie back are, it's likely an upgrade over the, you know, the replacement players, but it's not some massive upgrade. Like, Oh my God, we got our star defenders back. You know, it's still, it's still a middling defense at this point. So yeah. I, I always call Buster Scrine too. I can't get that's like my John Isner, John Eisner thing. I, I, I'm glad Suma said his name first because I always screw it up. Um I'm I'm with you on that. I like that team total look a little. Hey Andy, I got a question for you. Um I'm, I'm here for you. The Saints haven't covered a playoff game at home since 2012. Ooh. In fact, under Sean Payton, they are two and six against the spread at home. Is that signal or noise? It's eight games. It's noise, right? Unless you're paying a premium for home, you know, home dome, dome field advantage. I, I average, little, you might be average line is minus six and a half in these there. games. Yeah, the average line was was almost a touchdown in these games, and for whatever reason, Drew Brees and his noodle arm just can't get the can't get the cover home. You know what the guys. difference is here? It's Taysom time. It's Taysom time. I actually, I actually, you know, we'll we'll move on after this, but the because I don't want to talk about Taysom Hill all day. Well, but, I played the under 47. Am I should wait, I be wait, nervous wait, that Taysom Hill runs a muck? Well, no, I don't think he runs a muck, but like the, all the teasing we did about like, oh, what what kind of pictures does he have of Breeze or of you know of Payton. Sean Payton naked or what what's going sure. on here? Like the, they've actually found some ways to use him effectively. He's a scary sure. receiver. Like he's not gonna be, you know, effective every down receiver. But with the ball in his hands, he's a good runner, and you can design some plays that are, you know, that add to this offense. And just how this offense has been clicking this year at times. I mean, go back to the Tampa game. We just talked up a Tampa defense for a bit, and we saw New Orleans in the most fun we've ever had betting a game this year by by far 
was New Orleans just going down and scoring on every drive, except the one they fumbled one like inside the five, and we're That's still right. up like four it's touchdowns in half. Like, like yeah. we were talking garbage time in the third quarter. So, um, I think I think this off offense fully loaded, the fully healthy offense is one of the better ones we've seen from the Saints over the years. Do you think this total ticks back up if we get confirmation that uh, Alvin Kamara and Michael Thomas are good to go? I think so. Yeah, I, th- oh, well, I don't think the total comes down if you have offensive players coming back. I couldn't. I guess see I'm it. curious. Like, do you think the market has already absorbed that they're going to go and that this 47 is is a, is? I think Kamara, yes, because of the, just the fact that it's played on Sunday. I think they're saying Kamara should play, but the MT thing it might tick up a little off that. I'm not saying it's going to go to 49, but. You might be able to buy up some more if you if you need to refill. Do you have a read on Drew Brees, Suma? You watched him play against Kansas City on his first game back. Does he have the uh, the goods to make a run this year in the playoffs? I I would not say he has not. Um, I watched a YouTube video. Um, I can't remember the channel. It's a guy who does lots of good, great, and quick uh, breakdowns of some games. And he basically showed that the Chiefs defense played the Saints perfectly. They mm. they basically played perfect coverage. They they took away everything that the Saints had. Uh, they, they didn't have Michael Thomas, but uh, Chiefs defense did a very good job. It was the first game for Drew Brees uh, coming off his injury. I'm not already concerned about Brees at all. I, I think they are going to figure it out with Michael Thomas back. Okay. Okay. Interesting. We got some Saints tickets at a very nice price that are that I uh, got to think hard and long and hard about. I guess, yeah, I am. I, this is, <clears throat> I was going to bring it up. Is this going to be Drew Brees' last ever game in the Superdome? Probably not. They're going to get a win. They're the two seed. They will host next weekend if they win. Um, so he still has one more home game um, in the Dome, probably. Um, but yeah, I mean, I played I played an under here. It's not my strongest position of the week. I just grabbed it because I thought it was going to go back down. I thought the opener was fair to play the under. I went up to 48, and then I was like, okay, well, this is too good to be true, so I grabbed it there. Uh, I don't think we see a 48 again. Maybe we do, but uh, um, I like the team total on the Bears a little bit better at this point. Um, and a lot of it just because, yeah, the Saints defense is legit. They're good. You know, they beat up on a lot of bad teams, sure. But uh, they have stepped up and gotten pass rush when asked. Uh, Marshawn Lattimore is a great cover player. Um, and, you know, they're at relatively full strength. So this should be a, a solid effort from them. And hopefully they just uh, they shut the Bears out and I don't have to worry too much about it. Not yeah. either way. Uh, 20 to nothing sounds great. I'll, I'll take 35 to nothing. I really don't care. Yeah. 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 Yep. All right. Well, uh, why don't we move the to nightcap, the final the game? Final game. Andy, do you want to do the honor? Handicapping your Pittsburgh Steelers? My Pittsburgh Steelers? You know what? They're kind of my Browns a little too. I've I've grown I've, I've fallen in love with a little bit of what they do on offense, which is troubling. It's troubling because the guy who calls the offensive plays is coveted up. And we're at a point now where it's. I mean, there's no shot. These people who test positive are playing, coaching, anything. It's. It's not. We're not going to be doing this in the postseason. We're not going to be. Oh, we'll play this next Wednesday. Like they're not. They're not going to do stuff like that. So it, it sucks because it was 
painfully apparent that Cleveland never had this under control. They had people testing positive every week for like the last month. They didn't move games around. They, they let this go, and here we are. And it sucks. It sucks for Cleveland because this should have been a really good game, and maybe it still will be. And, you know, uh, I've seen some quotes from Stefanski today saying that he has confidence in uh, – who was it? Van Pelt to uh, – Van Pelt who coached in the NFL. Yeah, I think you Quarterback. What? You lost my sound? Oh, you're back. Oh, I was, I was just kind of trailing off talking about NFL Europe. Because I don't know why. I think oh, I was the quarterback coach was, for the yeah. Galaxy. That was on me. Please go ahead. <laughs> but uh, no, anyway, Stefanski says he has faith. But what else is he going to say? Like, oh, hey, guys, uh, Stefanski, press conference here over the Zoom. Yeah, we're shit out of luck. Nobody knows the plays but me. We're dead. Like, you know, what else is he going to say in these pressers? So it's it'll be interesting to see you know, what, what happens with the rest of the week, if they have any more positives, but this game's a mess. This sucks. It sucks for a guy like Batono. It's, it's, you know, people that have been on this team for a while, because there are a few vets who've played for this team for a few years. And what's his name? Betonio, I can't say. <laughs> I'm making a joke because I screwed it up earlier. And, but friend, I, I can't friend, say it. I can. Oh. Is it Betonio? Yeah. I, I sometimes I leave out the eye. I'm terrible Petonio. at Italians, apparently. I can't get their names right. Betonio. It's a me. Joel but, uh, I, He might not even be Italian. It's just got an O at the end. But I'm Joel Buster Scrum. No, no, no. Frank, Franco, our, our Italian friend, said he is Italian. Oh, yeah. This is an Italian. Oh, yeah. I, I was going to say, I have a guy I can check I'll send you the clip of him reading it so you can hear it, <laughs> it. It sounds exactly right coming out from an Italian voice. Uh, That's yeah, don't sure. don't quote me on this, but I think he's been with the team for like a decade or something. Oh, something. yeah, a long time. Yeah. It's And now he doesn't get to play in their first playoff game for in ever. So the, heartbreaking for stuff like that for some of these players who've been with the team. But here we, we're still going to have a game. We're at six. It's in Pittsburgh. It's a game we've played twice this year already. One, though, was, you know, quite different with some players out for Cleveland, like they have every week, like I've said. And then Mason Rudolph starting at quarterback, as well as uh, your starting center, several of your edge rushers, uh, wide out. I feel like one defensive secondary piece sat out as well. They had six or seven important pieces sit out. I I don't have a strong lean now that it's out to six. Like that, that might be too far. But I do. I think my one takeaway from this game is Big Ben will play better now that he's rested. He didn't even get on the bus. He didn't leave his house. He stayed on his couch last weekend, just having a few suds, eating some pretzels. He he's rested. Like that makes a difference for him. Though that one week where he didn't have to practice, I thought he looked good. Where he just faked an injury and then stayed at home all week. I think and or no, it was he he had close contact or something. And then he didn't have to practice at all. So I, he looks good when he's rested. I think Big Ben might come out and play like he played at the beginning of the year. And I, I won't I won't have a wager in this one, but I will be very excited. To watch. I, hopefully it's a really good game on both sides offensively because there are so many offensive stars in this, for the running backs for Cleveland, all the receivers for uh, Pittsburgh, and uh, I don't know, I guess Baker if you want to throw him in there. I guess speaking of Baker, Andy, actually I'll go to Suma. Um, do you make much of the um, playoff debutante 
uh, I don't want to say curse. It's not really a curse, but playoff, you know, guys making their first playoff start really just underperforming to a degree that is seems impossible to be noise. I mean, I, like I'll just pull up the numbers since 2002, since we've had a wild card format, um, we've had 59 quarterbacks that have made playoff debuts. We're going to throw out 12 of those because he had two guys playing each other. So that doesn't tell us anything. Um, but of the other 47, the debutants are 15 and 32 straight up, 13 and 33 and one against the spread. That's not good. Uh, is there any reason to be concerned about the Browns, regardless of the number here, just because there's a chance that Baker Mayfield looks, you know, looks like a pumpkin? I think there's some some signal there. There must be something to it because that trend really looks strong and um, we can make some causal explanations for it. Um, maybe it's the pressure in the first game. It's that uh, defenses uh, have their full attention on the quarterback in a very meaningful playoff game. It has to be something like that. Maybe uh, lots of those guys have also road games because um, young quarterbacks uh, tend not to get the best seats uh, in the in the conference, maybe there's some some fuel to it. Um, That's a great yeah, point. I hadn't thought of that. It could it could possibly. I wouldn't be surprised if uh, Baker Mayfield has a stinker game uh, without your starting left guy, who is pretty good. Without your play caller, who has been pretty amazing this season, in my opinion. Um, against a very stout Steelers front seven that could potentially dominate the line of scrimmage and put some heat on Baker Mayfield. And we have seen in the past that as soon as you can get pressure on Baker, um, things turn uh, down south pretty quickly. So I can definitely definitely see a path where Baker Mayfield is struggling a lot in this game. Um, overall, I think that number is fine. I was interested in the over early in the season. Then came the COVID news, um, and now I'm just passing on that game. But I think the key, which would have been also the key for me for that over, is that I don't really see how the Browns defense plays really well. Um, they have some injuries going on, Olivier Vernon. They might get Denzel Ward back, but I don't think the secondary is good at all. Uh, kind of kind of a weak line-making corp uh, on the defensive line. They basically only have Miles Garrett as a strong pass rusher. So I can see um, Big Ben um, putting up some points, even though he has not looked very sharp over the second half of the season. But their, their wide receivers match up really well with that, with that secondary. Um, but at this point, I think the, the number is fair. The spread is fair. I think five five and a half is a pretty good number, uh, with uh, with the uh, with, with that uncertainty with Kevin Stefanski and Obitonio Bitonio, um, and that's it. That's just just that's just a pass for me. Yeah, Andy Andy does it right. <laughs> <laughs> you gotta have the fingers. Yeah. You gotta do it with your hands. Um, I will say one thing. I maybe in the defense of the Browns here in this game was the past few weeks with some of the, the injuries, especially at the linebacking level for the Packer Packers, Pittsburgh Steelers. I mix up my blue collar uh, steel cities, but uh, <laughs> it's, it is some, there is something to be said for running up the middle and gashing 
the you know the inside of this defensive line, which is not as strong as the outside, and the the linebacker level. And teams have been successful running straight up the middle against this team. And yeah. I mean, this is a team with two good running backs. It the problem is missing a guard or two could be an issue with that. So it, that might stymie them with that and the, you know the the success level they have there might be lessened because of the offensive line injuries but I, I guess if i were trying something that's what i would try to just do what other teams have had success over the last few weeks with especially if i was on a backup offensive coordinator i love this i love it I, this all makes total sense to me um i probably would have talked myself into a brown's position if the coaching staff had a full week of normal prep uh, I think the market has probably overreacted a little because this did happen early enough in the week that I think they've been able to kind of adjust on the fly and make, you know, it's not, this is not the same situation as what we saw with the Detroit Lions. Um, all that said, I think there is an angle of attack here. Andy, we don't know 100% how Kevin Stefanski will be able to address the team at halftime, but I have a very tough time thinking that they're going to have as good second half adjustments as we've seen over the course of the season with Stefanski yeah given that he won't be Ooh, that's a sneaky little you're a sneaky little monkey look at that. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I think not, yeah not only losing your halftime you're you losing your head coach and your offensive play caller but you do lose the you know a big part of and it's so important they're gonna zoom him into the yeah, locker room I would give him to pump them up you're gonna so pump doctor, him up in the locker room by zoom Dr. Eager says teams are not allowed to use the internet in any way, shape, or form during an NFL game. Like it's in the rules. Whoa. So you know, how in the world is well, he going to be involved at all? I don't I don't think he's allowed to be. I think he can do it all week. He can zoom into the he can zoom into the facility and, and what if they put him in like the outbreak suit? I, I don't th- I think maybe you'll have to talk to Roger on that. But I I don't think he's allowed to like zoom call in. I think the poor okay. bastard has to sit on his couch and watch the game. Maybe he could do – I don't know if he can even do phone calls. Like uh, Belichick got a phone call on the sideline the other day. If wow. you remember. <laughs> remember him oh, yeah. Himself. Oh, yeah. So. Yeah. All right. Well, um, I think oh, – I think, And we we missed a good one. Gorlami. Gorlami. <laughs> um, all right. Well, I, I would say that uh, the right angle of attack here is Steelers' second half and or under second half because – you know, the minute that this game is out of reach for Cleveland and the minute that this is okay, this is 100% on Baker Mayfield every down as a passing down is when this gets this becomes a problem. You know, this is trouble. Um, I'm not really prepared to, uh, uh, <laughs> I'm not really prepared to, you know, grade Baker one way or the other because it's such a unique situation. Yeah. Uh, hopefully he doesn't stink, but, um, He's been playing well of late. He's kind of due for a stinker, so who the hell knows? Although, I guess he didn't play that great against the Jets. Maybe that was a stinker. Anyway, um, Baker in a tough spot. He has to play his second-to-last game of the season with no wide receivers and his playoff debut with no head coach. Unbelievable. (laughs) Unbelievable. Um, Let's move on to a little bit of playoff projection. Do you guys – does that sound fair to you guys? Yeah. Let's – I'll, I'll set it this way. It's, it's tougher Let's this assume, year because of the, the there's too many there's so many more different permutations because of I'm gonna the make it easy. I'm gonna make it easy on you. On. I'm gonna make it easy on you. Okay. For the sake of discussion, chalk prevails this week. Chalk All prevails. Right, so that leaves us that leaves us with the Packers hosting the 
Tampa Bay Tampa Buccaneers. Bay. The old bay, battle for the Bay, and that leaves us yep. with the Saints. Breeze versus Russell, Russell Wilson and the, the Seahawks. Seahawks. You have yep. KC hosting your four Ra- Baltimore Ravens. Baltimore, and then you'd have um, Buffalo. Cleveland. Oh, not Cleveland. Buffalo. Excuse me. Buffalo. 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 In okay. Buffalo. KC hosting Baltimore, Buffalo hosting Pittsburgh, New Orleans hosting Seattle. Every one of these Green a rematch? Bay. Did Saints and Seahawks play this year? Bucks. No, no they did not. That's the no, they didn't. The other, the other three are rematches, though. They are. Yeah, that's right. Um, Suma, as our guest, I will give you first opportunity. What is our Super Bowl? Um, I, I'm going with Chiefs against the Bucks. Wow. Wow, in Tampa, um, interesting. Yes, yes. Go win on the road in the Super Bowl. Uh, I like this. <laughs> that oh, would be pretty amazing. Then, then you will have no fans. <laughs> 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 um, yeah. So, of course, I'm a little bit biased, maybe because I've bet on the on the Bucks, but I think that. Um, the gap between the Packers and maybe the Saints and the Bucks is not as big as some people think, in my opinion. Um, I I think the the Bucks, their defense has given up tons of big plays throughout the season, but they still have a very solid pass rush. They have a solid scheme. They have a solid defensive coordinator, and they have an offense that can put up points on basically any team in the NFC and if they play against the Packers, the Packers will be without their uh, left tackle uh, who is an all pro left tackle Um, I think that's very important Um, if you can contain Devontae Adams a little bit, I think there's there's no possible way that you can cover him one-on-one, but maybe if you can contain Devontae Adams a little bit uh, there's a path in my opinion, to beat the Packers. Um, and the Saints, the Saints are really good, but the Bucks' offense is, in my opinion, really, really good. Uh, three great wide receivers. Mike Evans might be back next week if, if, they, if they beat the Washington football team. And I think an offense with Brady, who has been really, really good this year, uh, with three elite receivers, with Rob Gronkowski, and a scheme, or let's say an offensive setup that has been looking better recently, I think they can beat any team in the NFC. Um, and uh, when I look at the odds, um, I think Bucks also provide the best value, in my opinion, right now. Mm. Yeah. So I e- mean, we even get if- why you like Tampa. Explain why you like the Chiefs. I mean, it, it is more wide open than probably made out to be, but boy having home field, having the rest, essentially having a double buy because they didn't have to play last week. It is pretty massive. I probably like, if I'm looking at that, the KC KC putting together such a beautiful game plan once already to beat Baltimore, getting them at home. It just feels like even with the tough road of KC having to beat Baltimore and then probably Buffalo, I would think Buffalo could probably beat uh, Pittsburgh. Uh, I mean, that's, that's tough. But it's definitely very doable, especially now that you're rested, getting healthy. I, mm. I'm, I would put the pack. I'm going to put the Packers in the Super Bowl, though. Just Ooh. it is. 
it's tight. It's tight for me between Green Bay, Tampa, and New Orleans. I think it is very tight. But just uh, I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt with the one seed, getting the week of rest, getting the home field, cold weather home field. Like if if Tampa Bay beats them in the first game, I'm not surprised. I'm not just like, oh my god, I can't believe the one seed fell. That's a very tough five seed in the in the history of five seeds. Very very tough. But with the home field and how they're playing, I think if the offense can find a way to, you know, we've seen this week in and week out where it's like, oh, they just, they need to shut down Devontae Adams. Well, yeah, it's, it's easy to say, you know, and there are teams that have been able to limit him. And if that happens, the Packers are liable to be in a game they could lose. But if he's, if he's doing what he's done normally and just continuing to find space, get separation with the best quarterback in the league right now, they can make the Super Bowl here. And that would be, I mean, just the Packers Chiefs Super Bowl. I mean, either either that or even the what Suma said, the, the Brady, Brady Mahomes, uh, Rogers Mahomes. I mean, even even like Rogers, Rogers Lamar, Rogers Allen, all of those, like in, unless something stupid happens, like I'm going to be very mad if it's a Seattle like Seattle does something stupid. If it's, if it's like Seattle Pittsburgh. <laughs> I'm gonna lose my shit. Oh god! So I can see Seattle beating the Saints. Like that's very Saintsy. It's very. Saints-y. I like that matchup against that the Saints. Close. They're so much better coached. They're so much better coached. Saints yeah, win so. beat Seattle. Um, I'm. I guess well, likely. Yeah. So, so Suma, you're not. <laughs> you're, <laughs> <laughs> if if Suma, if your Rams pull off the upset and head to oh. and head to Green Bay, I think that opens up the door for everyone else. Uh, oh Jesus, that would be the worst. Um, yeah, the Bears Colts Super Bowl was also pretty bad. By the way, that was not a great one. Uh, great great opening kickoff return for touchdown. That was fun. Um, the uh, the um, yeah, if the Rams beat the Seahawks and head to Green Bay. That's interesting because that I think opens the door up a little bit for everyone else in the NFC because I think the mat the you, you know you know we we quote unquote we got to stop Devontae Adams. Jalen Ramsey's a pretty good way to do that. Um you know we got to get pressure on Aaron Rodgers and, and get him you know get him uncomfortable. Aaron Donald's a pretty great way to do that. Um I don't know how the Rams offense looks in that game, but I do know that your defense gives you a chance. Uh similarly if the Bucks have to go through New Orleans next. I don't know if that's a great matchup for them. Suma, you're not worried about it, even after what you saw on Sunday Night Football week eight. Uh, that was, uh, I know that was an outlier performance, bad for the Bucks, but uh, surely seems like New Orleans has the right recipe to flummox that team. Uh, yeah, absolutely. And uh, the Bucks will be dogs in those games for a reason, not, no doubt about it. But I just think that. Um, I'm pretty much in love with the ceiling of the Bucks. So when Brady and those four great receiving open, uh, weapons, if they're on fire, I think they they can easily drop 30-plus points on any of those teams. And that's that's basically um, what my point is on the Bucks. I, I just think that their offense has the, the best ceiling in terms of what we are expecting from them now. And one thing on the Packers-Rams matchup, it might sound crazy, but I think that the Packers have the worst matchup in the NFC against the Rams. I um, do too. Because, because, like you have said, you have the cornerbacks to contain Devontae Adams. Um, Braden Staley likes to line up Aaron Donald 
on tackles quite a bit during the game, so they might line line him up on on a back, backup tackle. Yeah, whoever's backing up Bakhtiari, that would be yeah. Uh, I think outside of, Aaron outside of getting to the pass, every time yeah. he sees every time he sees Aaron Donald lined up over left tackle, I think Aaron Rodgers checks out of the pass every time. <laughs> and yeah, you're handing Durant, that, you're handing that ball off. Yeah, yeah, and the Rams can run the ball. <laughs> they get yeah, Andrew right. Whitworth yeah, back. The Packers. That's the weakness of the Packers, uh, giving up okay. chunk plays in the one game. Yeah, and unless you get unless you get to the Super Bowl and you're facing uh, maybe Trey White or the Ravens, like that's your worst nightmare for Devonte Adams is playing the Rams as far as coverage. Mm, okay. Even though they're a lower ranked, yeah. I, my NFC. Okay, this is this is somewhat colored by I don't want to be just taking chalk in the NFC, but I'm going to say the Rams win this week. That's the one upset wild card weekend. I'm going to say they go to the Packers and they beat the Packers as well. And then I think the Saints prevail against the Bears and the Bucks, and the Saints win. They get a little revenge in the NFC title game against the Rams. Saints to the Super Bowl. Drew Brees, final ride. Uh, he's retiring after this year. Who's uh, 40 in the Super Bowl? That's <laughs> totally to Lamar Jackson and the Baltimore Ravens. <laughs> hopefully. <laughs> hopefully. Hopefully. Yeah. Um, I like that. I, yeah, the AFC is the AFC is so close for me. It's really close between Baltimore, Buffalo, and Kansas City. I'm really, really close. I think, uh, again, you know, this is again somewhat being contrarian, somewhat not wanting to predict chalk here. But the idea that you've had two bye weeks for the Chiefs and there could be some rust. The idea that Bienemy is doing a lot of interviewing this week as opposed to planning for the Ravens. The idea that uh, the Chiefs could be out there blowing off some steam. Catching some COVID this week, next I've week. I've been to Kansas City. There's not that much to do. Good barbecue joints, but they might be closed down. <laughs> <off. laughs> That's probably fair. But yeah, no, there, there's, 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 there's enough signal so far for me that Kansas City has been playing, you know, playing with fire. Eventually, they're going to get burned. I think it's going to be against the Ravens in the divisional round. I could be wrong. <laughs> lose lots of money. We'll see. Um, but either, either uh, way, I'm very, I'm very excited. This is, I, I again oh, yeah. to reiterate what I said early. Like I wasn't super excited about the seventh game or the seventh team being in, but having this six game slate, this is awesome. Awesome. It's awesome. It is really going to be a lot of fun. And for anybody, Especially for Europeans, yeah, we'll yeah for Europeans for people who like halftime yeah. shows. Yeah. And for those of us who have huge liability on the Ravens going to the Super Bowl, what we want to happen here is a comfortable win against Tennessee, uh, a rusty performance by the Chiefs, and then we are pulling hard for the Pittsburgh Steelers, guys. We want the Steelers to stay healthy, beat the Browns, go to Buffalo, take care of Josh Allen. And then, and then we get, get waxed in Pittsburgh, Baltimore. Pittsburgh, Baltimore, AFC title game, because you know why? It's tough to beat a team three times. Can't especially when they're especially when they're you as know, close. You know what happens like seventy percent of the time when it's a <laughs> of course. I, I, well, that it, might not be fact though. It's going to be especially tough after the Saints beat the Bucks three times. It's going to be even tougher for the Steelers to beat the Ravens three times. Um, yeah. And also, of course, you know that would be a great AFC title game because there's you know there's no love lost between question <laughs> question. Yes, go ahead. AFC title game: Chiefs, Bills. What's the total? Ooh, 56. 57? I would say it cannot be low 57, right? I, I would say so, 50. If it's 56, I would, I would bet it. I would bet it up. Yeah. 
That's a really high number. Resistance at 58 and a half, I suppose. If it's, it's 56. The key if number 50, of 58. If it's 56. See, this is this is the problem. You, you have to be a little, a little careful with the Bills. The Bills opening script is really good, right? So a lot of times, and of course I'm saying this after I bet they're under uh, this week pretty heavily, but they open, they open the game well and they score early. Uh, generally against especially against bad defenses um so you don't really want to wait and play an under live i mean excuse me an over live uh and similarly a bills scoring early against the chiefs that sets up a game state where there's going to be like 400 points right like if if the bills are up 14 nothing against mahomes and oh the chiefs God. like yeah that's the thing it's it, it, an 80 point game yeah. You script good offense and you get up 10, 14, nothing, or even 14, <laughs> 3, 14, 7. That's not good yeah. for an under. Mm -hmm. uh, that'll be, and, and again, it would be in KC. So it, maybe we'd be blessed with, oh no, there's going to be snow all week. And everyone's like, oh man, let's bet this down to like 53. And <laughs> we, get a, we get a stupid number and be like, oh, snow doesn't matter. Wind does. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, Suma, thank you for your time. This was a fantastic podcast. And, Best of luck, wild card weekend. Best of luck, the rest of the playoffs. Yeah, I'm thanks for coming on tonight. I know it's nights where you're at. I, I understand time zones now. <laughs> no big deal. But yeah, thanks for all your insights. Thanks for being the best friend, best friend of the pod. And I thought yep. this was fun. And yeah, we we will be, you'll see us around this Saturday as we probably do some halftime talking because we are very jacked for these games. So oh, if anyone yes. has any questions, comments, or whatever, hit us throughout the week. We'll be raring to top football. We don't have any Thursday night. I love it. All right. Best of luck. All right. Alfita's in. <laughs> are we still live? Are you doing the music? Yeah, I'm doing the music. You know how it goes. You know some other German words, right? Alfita Zen. Danke. Our song doesn't have a theme. Or it doesn't oh, yeah, have no, a theme. Thank you, Zuma. <laughs> <laughs>